This past week on December the 7th, our country remembered the 70th anniversary of the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor on December the 7th, 1941. Or did we remember? I said we remembered that this week, but did we remember that this week? I remember waking up Wednesday morning and I remember thinking this is December 7th. Okay, I remember thinking, you know, this is Pearl Harbor. This is the day that Pearl Harbor was attacked. And, and I kind of listened for it throughout the day, but I didn't hear really hardly anybody say anything about, uh, you know, that, that, that that was the day that we remembered Pearl Harbor. And I thought to myself, how sad is that? How sad is that? And maybe I just missed it. I mean, maybe I just, you know, I'm sure there were some emphases and, and maybe some radio pro- programs or different things like that. And so maybe that's not quite fair, but just not hearing it. I thought to myself, you know, how sad is that if you had lived through those events, would you ever want anybody to forget that? And I thought to myself, you know, for the first time in my life, because of that, I thought, you know, I want to mark this today. And so I just began to think to myself, what if I had lived during those events? And to try to just kind of put myself in the shoes of people who had. And especially if I had lived through it, if I were alive today, and there are people alive today who actually were alive during that attack, if I were alive today to see that maybe the people around us didn't realize how serious that was. In fact, uh, the president at the time, President FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the next day he called it a date that will live in infamy. Now what does that mean? That means a date, a day that we will never forget as a nation. And wouldn't it be sad that if you lived through that, that you saw that many of us had forgotten? And think about it like this. On December the 7th, 1941, the United States was attacked. And about 2,400 Americans lost their lives. About 1,200 more Americans were injured in the attack. What if 70 years from now, there's a 20-year-old here right now, 70 years from now, there's a 20-year-old here who, who was around uh, when September the 11th happened and is around during that time. And what if in 70 years, no one hardly remembers that almost 3,000 people died on 9-11. Doesn't that break your heart? And he said, guys, do you not understand what happened to our nation? Well, things like that are a reminder to us of how easily we forget. You know, and maybe it's just the fact that the farther that we get away from something, the easier it is to, to, to lose the importance of, of, what, of what actually happened or, or whatever the reason might be. We need to recognize that we as human beings very easily forget things, even things that are seriously important. Certainly that could be said of Christmas. There were some reasons that Christmas started in the first place. In fact, God started Christmas. Isn't that, wouldn't that be important if God started something? God started Christmas. And, and today to realize that many of us in, in our land, for sure as a culture, we've gotten far away from that. So basically... What we want to do during this Christmas season is go back to the origins. Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, Since what we do today, and we certainly haven't forgotten about Christmas. I mean, we can't say that, can we? I mean, if anything, it starts about middle of October, right? Christmas is kind of a whole season, a whole time, and and certainly that involves the, the commercialism and all that kind of stuff. But So it's not that we've forgotten Christmas, but maybe we've gotten far away from its original intention. So what we did last time is we said, let's go back to the Old Testament, where it really started from the beginning. And what we want to do this time, since we looked at the Old Testament last time, is look at the New Testament. 
God had an idea of something called Christmas, and he had some very important things that I believe he wanted this to communicate to us. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to look, first of all, in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Through Christmas, God was communicating to us that he has good news for us. And what do I mean by that? Well, in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, we find out, if you go back and read you, the familiar story that you know all of us have heard from time to time throughout our lives, the story about how Joseph and Mary, they had to go to Bethlehem. Mary was expecting, and they had to go to Bethlehem because they, because they had to pay their taxes and all those things that were going on with that. And during the course of that trip, Jesus was born. But then in verses 8 through 11, we find out some of the first, if not the first people to find out that Jesus was born. And that's where I want to read in verse 8 of chapter 2. It says, in the same region... Uh, again, it's been talking in verses 1 through 7 about Mary and Joseph and, and, and not finding room in the inn and the manger and all those kind of de- details. But in verse 8, it says, In the same region, that same area, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch, or actually it says keeping watches over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Can you imagine? Or stood actually beside them or in their midst. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. It says they feared a great fear. A mega fear is what it says. It literally says that. They feared a mega fear. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, look at this. Listen, behold means pay attention. This is something, this is something important. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It says that there were shepherds keeping watches over their flocks at night. Because it's in the plural, it probably means that they were in shifts. And so the night shift had started. These guys that were on the third shift, the graveyard shift, okay, they were keeping their watch. Uh, they were taking turns doing that. And it says that uh, actually there was a third shift. There was a night shift. And some people say, well, because of that detail, that tells us that, uh, that, that we can kind of figure out a little bit more of the timing of when Christmas really was. Some people say that because it says they were keeping the, uh, the flocks out at night, that that points to maybe Jesus actually being born more like in the spring or in the summertime. Because what would have happened, they say, is between March and November, it would have been warm enough to keep the sheep out like that. They probably wouldn't have uh, been, uh, been out with the flocks during the early planting season in the early spring. They probably wouldn't have been out with the flocks during the early and the late uh, harvest times later in the fall. So some people speculate maybe Jesus was born in August or in September. That kind of ruins it, doesn't Okay, maybe that's where they came up with Christmas in August, right? That's maybe that's where the story started out. And some people say, no, no, that's actually not true. The sheep are out all year. It's a very, uh, you know, very arid environment in that part of the world. And, and so there, there are people who kind of made the case that Jesus was actually conceived on the same day that he was crucified, and they narrow it down. Some people even calculate it to March 25th or, or, or a date in April. That April the 6th is another date that sometimes people use. But the people who take March 25th say, okay, so you can fast forward nine months, nine months from March 25th. He was conceived on the 25th of March, and he was born on what? The 25th of December. Other people say, no, the 25th of December was a pagan holiday, and Christians around the 300s or 400s A.D., they said, you know what? Uh, we need to celebrate something for God during that time. We don't really have a good date for Jesus' birth, so let's just override that holiday. It's kind of like what we do with the Halloween thing. Okay, while Halloween's going on, we kind of have a, a, a carnival, a kind of a good time for the kids. We call it Halloween. Uh, so maybe that's what was going on. Most people say, we just don't know. 
Okay, it sounds like that's the answer, isn't it? We just don't know for sure. Does it really matter? It doesn't matter. What matters is what? He was born. Amen. He came. Then it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and stood in their midst, stood before them. And as I said, they feared a great fear. I think it's great when we have the uh, Christmas productions and things like that because many times it helps us to put ourselves in that situation, doesn't it? Helps us to kind of visualize. And like I said, even tonight, when you walk out, as you look up, if there's a starry sky and you get kind of in a dark spot, just kind of think to yourself, what would it have been like? I mean, can you imagine some guys out there with sheep just trying to make sure no wolves came in, you know, or any predators came around, anything like that. And all of a sudden, there's this angel. When I was a little boy, my mom tells a story about uh, her and my dad were going to bed one night. And she says she looked out her window. It was pitch dark. It was late one night. She looked out her window and, and she saw this sheet of light kind of come sit on top of the ground. And then she saw another sheet on top of it. And then she saw another sheet on top of it. Pastor Robbie, do you believe in UFOs? Well, technically it was an unidentified flying object. <laughs> it was an unidentified flying light. I don't know what it was, but it scared my mom to death. Now, I'm not getting the theology of UFOs, okay? So we're not going to worry about that tonight. The Bible does say that there are spiritual beings. There are spiritual beings in this universe, and I'm sure some of that has to do with all that kind of stuff that, that people have observed. I don't know what it was. Was it the government testing uh, military equipment in my backyard? Maybe. That's what some people say. I don't know, but it scared my mom to death, okay? And that's what I'm getting at is that that's probably how they say it. It's like, oh my goodness, I've never seen anything like this. Wow. That kind of gives you an idea of the scene that's going on here. But, but here's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the message that the angel gave to them. The angel says... Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. I announce good news to you of great joy. That's that word again, mega, mega joy. I announce that kind of news to you. Somebody said this angel's announcement includes several of the most frequently used words in the Gospel of Luke. That fact shows the tremendous importance of this angelic announcement. As God led Luke to write his story about what Christ, how Christ had come and what had happened through his life as he was here on planet Earth, many of the, the, the themes, the emphases that Luke is later going to bring out in that story as he writes the rest of his book, many of those key words are found in this angel's announcement and in these verses. This person said that... The, it is a bold proclamation of the good news at the very hour of Jesus' birth. Christ is coming into the world, and God says, Listen, while I've got all of your attention, I want to tell you what my message is. By the way, if you're interested in those other words, this word, proclaim the good news, the, the, and we're going to talk about that more in just a minute, that's one of them. The people emphases, that's an emphasis throughout the book of Luke. The common people, all the people, the regular people that God's message is for us. Today, that is an emphasis throughout the book of Luke. The word Savior, the word Lord, the word glory, all of those are emphases in this passage that we find throughout the book of Luke. But the word we're focusing on is that word that means to announce the good news. Has anybody ever heard the word evangelize before? Or evangelism? I hope you have because it's on the wall right there. <laughs> okay. Evangelism actually is, it's in English, but it's actually almost taken right out of Greek and just kind of put in English letters. EV is actually EU in Greek, but that means good. 
And then what comes after that? A-N-G-L spells what? Angel. It means a messenger or a message or news. Okay? So that's actually the word that's used here. I pronounce to you, I announce to you, I evangelize, I share with you, I announce to you good news. When God was finding a word that would summarize his message, Christ was coming, what does this mean? The cliff notes, anybody remember those? The cliff notes for God's message was what? It's good news. God's message literally is good news for us. You know, this is something that makes me kind of sad and it actually worries me a little bit. The fact that many people want to find God. Many people have a sense that they need God in their lives. But many people have been given the impression by church or maybe their family or maybe authority figures in their life, sometimes as parents, many people have been given the impression about God from other people from church that God is vindictive, that he's mean-spirited, that he's harsh, that, boy, if you get out of line, he was waiting for you, and he's going to crush you good. That's the image that many people have been given of God. Now, listen, friend, the Bible does say we got some bad news. Amen? The bad news is we're sinners. And if something doesn't happen about our sin, what does our sin do to us and God? Between us and God. It separates us from God. That is serious business. That is bad news. And if we die without that being taken care of, we'll be separated from God forever and ever. That is bad news. But you know what? The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 17, that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. So here's what the Bible's teaching. If God had done nothing, if He had not lifted a finger, if He just said, okay, I'm going to let this thing play out, you guys are on your own, hope it works out for you, guess what would have happened? We would all be separated from God forever and ever. God did not send His Son into the world to give bad news. We've got the bad news. God sent His Son into the world to give some good news. The good news, yeah, and God's honest about the bad news. That's why it's such good news. The bad news is we're in trouble, but the good news is I have come for you. Amen? And it's sad that many churches aren't proclaiming that message. How could you not say, hey, everybody, I got some good news. You can be forgiven. All the things you've done wrong. God wants to make it right. And he'll do, he's done it for you if you'll just trust him. Makes me sad for that reason. But I've got to be honest with you, it worries me a little bit in regards to our church. I hope that new hope never goes that route. I hope that new hope is always a place that shares the good news. Amen? It's good news. Good news, people. He's come for all the people. But you know what? There's a threat. And there's no guarantee if people's opinion, if people's preference, if man-made religion, if the traditions of men, there's always this inclination that that we're going to head in a a direction that's away from God's. And that's why we've got to stay so focused on what? The Word of God. Read the Bible. What did the angels say? i got some good news for you. And it's for all the people. If you read the Bible, that's what God's Word says. The word gospel that many people use is really just kind of King James language. It's Old English. It's literally, that's what it means. It's taken right out of the Greek language. And we've kind of made it a little bit of a technical term. And that's why I try to say many times when I'm using that word, I try to say what it literally means. It literally means, the word gospel, did you know? It literally means what? 
good news. God has good news for us, but also Christmas was meant to say this, that message, that offer is for everybody. That's important, isn't it? You know, God could say, I got some good news, but some of y'all don't count. <laughs> there, there's some of you that have done some things. There's some of you that, you know, you kind of gotten in positions in your life and I'm not going to be able to help you. In our world, many times when people think about religious beliefs, they think about it from a national kind of perspective, a nationality or a regional perspective. If somebody's from Thailand, what religion would you think they would have? Anybody know? Buddhism? If somebody's from India, what religion would you think that they would have? They'd be Hindu, right? If someone was from South America or really from our region, the Northeast, many times people say, you know, people will probably be Catholic. It's a highly Catholic area. So there's a tendency in our world to kind of take religion and kind of section ourselves off and divide ourselves up and group ourselves up with, with, with our own kind of way. In fact, that's part of the problem throughout history. The reason religion has gotten involved with wars is because it's become a regional kind of thing. But you know what? The reality is I think we all kind of see that in our hearts, even though we may have followed some religions, we may have gone some of those directions, in our hearts, we, I believe there's the affirmation from God that, that we, we all have a common humanity. And there's a God who created all of us. Amen? Adam and Eve, we all came from Adam and Eve. And if, and if God was going to do something in our lives, doesn't it make sense that the one true God that his message would be offered to all of us? Not just a certain section of us? Well, that's the message of Christmas. That's what it's all about. God has come, and he's offering himself to all of us. In Luke 2, verse 10, what we just read, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, look at this, don't miss this. That's what the angel says. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. What I want to focus on, though, is in Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying this, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The Bible says that a little while after Jesus was born, and we read a few more verses that probably based on some things that Herod did, and you can go ahead and read, you can read the story later, uh, but based on some of the actions that Herod took in trying to wipe out the children and trying to wipe out the Messiah, he tried to kill the children two years, two years of age and under. So probably what that tells us is the, the, the wise men, the Magi, it probably took a while before they got there. But it says that those guys, it calls them wise men, it calls them, some of your translations said Magi, came looking for Jesus and they came to worship him. Now who were these guys? When you say wise men, what do you think of? Some pretty smart dudes, right? I mean, you just think of guys that are pretty smart guys. Actually, it may be better for us to call them magi. And, and the reason I say that is this. If you take magi and add one letter to it, what does it become? Magic, all right? And so I think it may be better for us to think about it in those kind of terms. They were magicians, and I'm not talking about that they were really good making little dogs out of balloons, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Not, not that they were just kind of, today we think about people who do some fun things at a birthday party or whatever, but really more astrologers, soothsayers might be a word that we would use. 
They were seekers of knowledge. They were guys looking for wisdom. They were looking for truth. They studied history. They studied philosophy. They studied science. They studied religion. They studied the stars and medicine. They were basically men who, without God, were trying to find knowledge and truth. And probably some of that was was just an honest search for truth. But some of it, if we read the book of Daniel, actually took them in some pretty dark directions. Okay? And became some pretty dangerous kind of demonic kind of stuff. Speaking of Daniel, though, we don't know exactly where these guys came from, but the fact that it took them a good while to get there, and the fact that they had some kind of an idea that a star was going to be associated with the Messiah, with the Savior, that tells us that they came from a long distance, and it's very possible since they were coming from the east that they actually came from Babylon, which is where Daniel had been. By the way, if they came from Babylon, that means they came from as much as 500, even as far as 1,000 miles following that star. Okay, that's like going from here to Georgia on a camel. Okay, my family goes to Georgia about once a year to visit family. If it was camel, I'd probably say I'll see you guys every 10 years, all right? Because it takes us about 21, 22 hours going as hard as we can in a van. I can only imagine what it must have been like to travel that distance. There was something happening in these men's heart. And I believe if they were coming from uh, that area where Daniel had been, this is evidence that a guy that had lived 500 plus years before that had had such an influence on that culture in which he had lived. And we see that, don't we? If you read the book of Daniel... He was, he was one of the most influential men in that whole kingdom. And Daniel had been so influential that, he, that some of what he had taught and he had passed down, that some of these guys were aware of it. So much so that they knew about the obscure, just kind of hidden in there. Uh, uh, Numbers chapter 24, verse 17 says that the Jewish Messiah was in some way going to be associated with a star. So these guys knew. And there was also some talk... Uh, some of the research shows that, there, that some people in, in, in other parts of the world had some kind of a sense that there was something special going to happen in that region of the world. Okay? And so all of that together, as these guys are seeking wisdom, as they're, as they're understanding things, as they're reading that Old Testament, the Bible says that there was such a hunger in their heart, and I don't think it was just a generic they were seeking truth. I believe they, their hearts were truly ready to follow the one true God. So much so, listen, would you see a star shining over in Georgia and say, hey, let's load up the camels and go check it out? That's a pretty major trip, amen? Months, at least, that it took for them to make that trip. But the biggest thing I want us to pay attention to here is this. Through the Christmas story, God is telling us, and this is good news for some of us who wonder tonight, Christmas The message, Christ, is for everybody. In fact, it's even more startling that we find the story of the Magi in the book of Matthew because the book of Matthew actually is generally recognized as the most Jewish gospel. What I mean by that is that uh, of all the gospels, Matthew seems to be speaking to a highly Jewish audience. He, He gives a lot of quotes from the Old Testament and a lot of things that seem to indicate that he's thinking about people from a Jewish background that he's writing to. Now, in light of that, you wouldn't expect a guy 
uh, who is focusing more in that direction to highlight someone so clearly not what? Not Jewish. He was as Gentile. These guys were as Gentile as you could possibly be. What is God trying to say to us? My message is for everybody. I mentioned that passage in Luke earlier and uh, where it says for all the people, but even the fact that the message first came to the shepherds is significant. Listen to what one person said. Shepherds were among the lowest groups on the social scale. Thus, the first public announcement of the good news was to social outcasts. Now, we don't have shepherds walking around here today, and so we don't think, oh, wow, I can't believe you talked to the shepherds first. We don't think about it like that, but whatever, whoever, whatever class, whatever group, whatever uh, subsection of people in our society that would typically be thought of in that kind of a way, that's who the, that's who the message first came to. The choice by God, this person said, was surely intentional. Since the gospel is for all people, it was announced first of all to a group who many would have excluded from polite society. But God did not exclude them. In fact, he came to them first. Isn't that awesome? Guys, I I want to share something with you. I believe as we read God's word, there's some warning, there's some challenge, there's some encouragement. And here it is. Let me give some encouragement. If you're here tonight and you would say, hey guys, you know, man, you know, thank y'all for letting me come to New Hope. You know, I know you got, you guys, y'all, y'all are all kind of more, you know, you got your Bible and you, you know, when Pastor Robbie says, turn to this book, you know where to go and you've, you know the songs and, and you know the drill and you kind of, you're more acclimated. I, I haven't been in church as much. I don't know as much. I, you know, I'm sort of just sort of feeling my way through here. But would you all just allow me to kind of go along for the ride? But, but, but I don't think I'm really kind of in like everybody else. If that is you tonight, the indications that I see from God's word is that person is maybe in a better position to receive God's message than a person who has been in church for 40, 50 years. Now, let's go to that person. Is it a bad thing to grow up in Sunday school? Absolutely not. Is it a bad thing to come to know the Lord early in your life or, and, to, and to know about the Lord and His ways and, and all those kind of things? No, in some sense, that can be a tremendous blessing. In fact, that's the goal of our church. It's from the very beginning that children come to know the Lord, that they grow in Him, that they serve Him, that they find His direction for their life. So that's not what we're talking about. That is a great blessing. However... When you have been around the things of the Lord, sometimes they can become less special if we're not careful, amen? Or sometimes we begin to, we don't know it, we begin to, we think we're following God, but we've moved away from His ways and we've kind of made up our own stuff. And that's exactly what's happened. That's exactly what happened in the New Testament with many of the Jewish people. They become very religious. They, they had a lot of the trappings. They, they kind of had the look and everything. But their heart, Jesus says, your heart is what? Your heart is far from me. And so the encouragement and the challenge is this. If you're a person who will say, hey guys, do y'all think that maybe God might sort of let somebody like me be involved? Oh, it's more than maybe kind of sort of, amen? In some ways, you may be in a better position than some of us. Have you noticed that? Sometimes when someone first is exposed to the Lord, it's fresh. There's a newness. There's an enthusiasm. There's a thankfulness. You know what I'm talking about? And so, friend, tonight, if you you feel like I've been on the outside and maybe now I'm coming in, don't feel less. 
Say, thank you, God, that you brought me to this place. And thank you that you're promising me through the Magi, through the shepherds, that you work in people like me too. And for those of us who maybe have been a little more exposed, hey, if that's been a blessing, if that's been a strength, praise God. Amen? Praise God. But we still have to watch the challenge of, of getting used to all this. And when people pray, and, and you know what? When Pastor Robbie said he's going to be preaching, you were pretty sure it's going to be Matthew and Luke because New Testament, and I've heard these stories before, and I even know it's Matthew 2 and Luke 2. And uh-huh, I knew he was going to say that. And I knew we were going to sing Angels We Have Heard on High and Hark the Early, because I've heard all this stuff. It's dangerous in some sense, isn't it? We just check out. And so for all of us, there's that hope. No matter who you are, it's not really a matter of how long you've been here or how much you know. It's are you open to letting God work in your life? The Bible says God opposes the proud, but He gives a lot of great things. He gives grace to the humble. Isn't that good news? Isn't it? <laughs> God is saying that the origin of Christmas is a message that outsiders are welcome. In fact, outsiders, in God's mind, are not outsiders. Everybody is equal at the foot of the cross. How many of us, when it comes to faith, have always felt like we were on the outside looking in? And God is saying all are welcome. But then lastly, the Lord says to us through Christmas that He's got good news for us. By the way, he could have said something else. Aren't you glad it was good news? He could have said something else. God's got good news for us, and that good news is offered to everybody. But finally, in verses 25 through 32, the Christmas story tells us that God can be trusted. Look at verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. I love this story. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he, Simeon, took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are re releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared. Here it, here it is again which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And that word Gentiles is basically to the nations. A light of revelation that you have given to the nations. Now, like I said, I love this story. Basically, Mary and Joseph, as a young Jewish family, there were some things, there were some things that they were supposed to do to go and do in the temple after the birth of a child and especially after the birth of a firstborn son like this case. And what I love about this story is that there was a man named Simeon, a man that loved God, and somehow God had communicated. We don't know exactly how. I mean, he tells us through the Holy Spirit. So it may have been that one day Simeon was reading a copy of the Old Testament, and you ever had one of those experiences where you're, you're studying God's Word, and God just speaks to you through a verse that you read, and it speaks to your heart and encourages you or gives you some kind of direction. And somehow God had just affirmed in Simeon's heart, maybe through the Word or maybe through his prayer time, some way, that he had spoken to him that, Simeon, you are not going to leave this world until you see my Savior. Wow. And then that great big plan that God was working out. Hey, he's kind of got a few things going on. What do you think? Keeping the universe going? We can't even hardly find the edge of our neighborhood, our galaxy. 
We, the more we check out the limits of the universe, the more we find they're farther than we thought. So God's got a few things going on. Does it not blow you away that he knew a man whose name was Simeon and he orchestrated the events of history in such a way that this guy's life would intersect at the temple on the very same day that Jesus, the Messiah, was being dedicated as a baby there. And while he was there, surely he had seen other babies there being dedicated before. While he was there, God gave him the understanding. Hey, you know, Simeon, I told you you were going to see him before you die. There he is. Oh, wow. Isn't that awesome? This is the one I promised you you would see. It's called here the Consolation of Israel. Now, that's a little bit of a technical term. Basically, the, the Jewish people had been through a lot, to say the least. Okay, And they had continued throughout the centuries to cry out to God to, to, to rescue them, to, to bring them, uh, to deliver them. And so that's, this is just another way to kind of describe that anticipation, that expectation. The Jewish people were like, look, God's going to bring us our consolation, our, our, uh, our, our deliverer one day. That's what Simeon was looking for. But what I love about this is it communicates really two big things. First of all, the personal nature of our God. God was bringing to us the Messiah and he took the time to make sure that Simeon was there that day. Isn't that awesome? But it also communicates the faithfulness of our God. He promised some things to Simeon and he fulfilled those promises. He promised a lot of things to the Jewish people and to the nations through his word and he fulfilled those promises. God fulfilled every one of his promises. The message of Christmas, it was originally supposed to say to us that God has made a lot of promises and he's going to keep those promises. Are you going to trust him? We said last week that, you know what? As you look back at the Old Testament, God had said a lot about that the Messiah was coming. Did you know that the Bible actually says a lot more about that he's coming again? So here's what I'm thinking. If he said he was coming the first time, and he did, if he said even more he's coming the second time, I'm pretty sure he will, amen? God keeps his promises, and he can be trusted. Tonight it ought to blow us away. The realization we longed for, we hoped for, but we could never find the one hope for our lives and I don't know about you but I love the fact that God's dealt with the Jewish people and that God's work goes back thousands of years and that it's bigger than me and that it's bigger than new hope amen there's a hair there's a there's a there's a evidence that there is one true God and he's brought all these different people through all the centuries through all these different cultures through all these different circumstances and his message is true it's coming to bear and he's invited me to be a part of it. The message of Christmas is God can be trusted. And he should. He should be trusted. He should be trusted by me. You know, I hope. It's, it's too bad. <laughs> I, 
I don't know if you remember, some of you guys may remember from the 70s, there was this guy that wrote this song, Why Does the Devil Have to Have All the Good Music? Okay. Why does the enemy have to take everything good and mess it up and, and us be okay with that? Okay. So, why don't we just make a decision? We're not going to throw Christmas out. We're going to let it be what God intended for it to be. Tonight, would you take out all the layers? And you know what? I don't even know. I, I know some. But I don't know all that you guys are going through. Christmas is tough for a lot of people. It's one of the most difficult times of the year on lots of different levels, especially the relationship kind of stuff. Memories, good memories that have been lost or bad memories that you can't get rid of. But tonight, I almost wish we could just turn the lights off and just see ourselves like shepherds. All, without all the trappings, without all the stuff, just God speaking to you. I came for you. It's good news. And it's for you too. And I want you to trust me tonight. I made some promises. I'm going to fulfill those promises. Like Simeon. You know, you know. many times I hear people say things like, you know, I wish I'd lived 2,000 years ago with the disciples and you know, kind of walking those dusty roads and all that kind of stuff. The indication I seem to get from the Bible is if I wouldn't trust God now, I wouldn't have trusted Him 2,000 years ago. I have everything I need tonight respond to him let's think about it this way this is your shepherd in a field moment God wants to reveal to you tonight that he is the one true God and that you can trust him and that's all you need would you be willing like the wise men they came from such a different background but they were willing to get on their knees and worship him would you bow with me as we close out tonight? <clears throat> Let's just be still for a moment. Why don't you just let God speak to your heart tonight? This is good news. It's for you. I want you to trust me. What part of that do you need to respond to tonight? Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You can. You've heard the message tonight. God came for you. He wants to rescue you from the choices and the problems and the decisions and the consequences and the sin and the hurt and the separation and destruction that your choices and others have made in your life. Have you been looking for the consolation of your life? Like Simeon, God had promised. He knew in his heart 
He was going to find the Savior. Maybe God's been speaking to you, and that's why you came here tonight. And He's here. And He's calling you. He's waving you forward to trust Him. John 3 seems to give us the impression that if someone truly wants to know God, when they see Jesus, they'll worship Him. Tonight, would you give your life to Jesus Christ? Would you call upon Him and say, Jesus, I need you to save me and forgive me and come in my life. I want to know you. I want to quit doing things my way and I want to follow you in your ways. For all of us tonight, if Christmas has been ruined for you, would you just ask God to take you back just as pure, just as organic as a shepherd standing in a field that God would just meet with you here on 400 Brook Lane tonight and show you what it's really all about. Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, I pray that you would capture our attention and give us the courage to follow your direction. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to have a closing song tonight as uh, Pastor Jeff leads us. Don't miss this opportunity. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I come to church, I see things more clearly. It makes sense. I get it. I got the right perspective. 30 minutes later, <laughs> I'm back out there, and it's all off the, off the rails again. Anybody else? Would you ask the Lord, God, seal this in my heart tonight. Whatever it is he's saying to you, that focus, that, that message, what it's really all about. Maybe in your family you focus too much on the presence and the money and all that. And maybe some parents would go home tonight and say, kids, let's have prayer before bed. Let's ask God to forgive us for missing it. We need to ask the Lord to get us back on track with what this is really all about. Whatever it is tonight, you just now some time for you to spend with God.